Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Well, I was about to say, do you know, Mick, can I introduce you to someone who hasn't done a lot of wrong recently and will be trying to uh, microanalyze exactly what they have done right to see if they could even half replicate the week they've had. And that is uh, Eon and Megan Kemp at Kilgraven Lodge, who had one of the standout weeks of all standout weeks at the Ready to Run sales at Karaka. We've got Ian on the line now. He's been good enough to join us this morning. Morning, mate. Congratulations for, for a week that many would dream of. And um, I guess you guys would have just been buzzing. Ha- have your emotional levels come back down to earth now? Because, you know, racing people are pretty level-headed most of the time. But I would excuse you to get a pretty get pretty excited after the few days you had. Yeah, good morning, guys. Yeah, look, it's, um, it was just one of those weeks I, I you'd never dream about. It's like all your good sales hit at once. And, yeah, look, you've, you soon get back down to the, the ground the next day when you've got to turn up home at 6.30 in the morning and start riding again. Well, Ian, it definitely helps. Congratulations, mate, to you and everybody there. But it definitely helps when it means you've you've um, knocked off your credit, you've, you've managed to pay all your bills, <laughs> and, and you can start going back to the sales, which come around pretty quickly, and, and restocking, isn't it? Because if, if you can't... You know, knock off the credit because most people buy on credit. Then obviously they they go again. If you can't do that, Ian, eventually things start to dry up. But your well um, might be nicely full at the moment. Oh yeah, look, it's 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 been good. But we, look, we've been in the position too that you've you've kind of finished the sales and you've scratched your head thinking we've we've got to go again. Um, but we need to clear this out first. So we've been in the tight spots. Look, we've. This is probably our 20, 21st year. We've been at the Reza Run sales now. So we've definitely had our kind of hard sales and walking home but for our tail between our legs. So it's very, very nice to um, come home with, with a great feeling Couldn't you of, feel, of having a great year. Couldn't you feel that difference on the ground um, having our friends from Hong Kong there? Because I, I find when you go to the sale and it's predominantly Kiwis and Aussies and there's a little bit of Asian interest, you're sort of thinking, ah, oh, well, I could sort of see who this would go to and I could sort of see what this would make. But I found, Eon, at the top of the market that once you sort of got past that four region, even towards the fives, it was literally, and this isn't a racial statement, but we'll bunch everybody here from Hong Kong together. Um, it's literally, if these guys want to keep going, they'll keep going. Yeah, look, it was NZB did a tremendous job getting those guys there, and all congratulations go to them for for putting on a great sale. Um, but look, we kind of look, we were a little bit nervous going into the sale, especially with the way the economy was. Probably a lot of Australians I'd spoken to weren't coming over, um, so it was great to. We always knew that top end would be strong, um, but like for it to even filter, it filtered down. It, it was just a huge, huge effort. And it was nice to see it spread right through the drafts. I think there wouldn't be too many drafts that have come away um, that that wouldn't be pleased with the way their sale went. Hey, Eon, can you give us and our listeners a bit of context? Maybe pick one or two of your lots that went through and can you give us the, the story behind them and then take us through the feeling when they're going through the sale ring and what they ended up going for. What What's the one that you guys will be talking about in 20 years' time when you look back on 2023? What's the, what's the horse that 
you know, for whatever reason you were unsure about or you always knew was a star, what's the headline for you guys? Oh, look, I think the headline for us is putting three horses through for over 700,000. Um, we knew the Griffin Tycoon was popular. Um, he'd had something like 37, 38 hits on X-ray. Um, so we always knew he was going to make, but I thought 600 would have stopped him. Um, after he sold for 725, we, the Harry Angel, we thought would never make what he, what he did. And I think once we got to the 600, he just kept going. Um, <laughs> it, it kind of, not so much the relief, it was just kind of, what, what's happening here? Um, yeah, look, probably the standout for the staff and the guys at home was the, the superset for Teesfilly. Um, she, she, we took her to the yearlings, bought her as a weanling, took her to the yearling sales, um, put 200 on her because I took the punt that Kovaluka would come up and win the Group 1 race. There was a lot of talk about him. Um, so the guys that, that was, have looked after her at home and they, it was the favourite of a lot of staff and for her to come out and be a bidding duel between Piakau and Richard Lemming, and for her to go to 700,000, like, they were just absolutely ecstatic. Ian, what did, you get out, what did you get offered for at the yearlings? How much did she miss the 200 by? Uh, I had a couple of guys trying to sne- sneakily try and take her off me for 150, and we just said no. We put a 200 reserve on it, and we were sticking to it. Good on you. Hey, interesting one for you, Ian, and this is going to um, stick with us listeners because it's, it's tricky stuff. Okay, so... I think you bought a horse for 150 that you sold for 800. Is, is that figure right? That's correct. Yep, okay. that was the Harry Angel. Um, yep. I know the answer to this, but some other people don't at home. So they would see a horse purchased for $150,000 um, and it sells for 800, and they think you have made $650,000. But of course, that's not true. So can you talk us through the expenses from the moment that horse is knocked down, which is 150 grand? I think he was a Karaka horse because he's had a Monroe Cure, is yeah, that right? Yes. Okay. Yes, he so, was correct. He so, was so, correct. So once he's knocked down to the 800, what do you have to pay? What happens? And once the 800 is knocked down to you, what do you then lose in commissions and all that sort of stuff? Just because I think people think you've made 650 grand, which isn't actually true. But no. So, um, obviously, for the New Zealand ones, it's a lot cheaper to get them home. It's just a flight ride home. The, the ones we purchase, purchase in Australia, we've got to fly them back into New Zealand. Um, so, you've obviously got the airfares associated with that. Uh, then they go through the breaking in process. And so, just, Eon, just before you go, just, just to extend that one further, if you buy a horse in Australia for 200000 by the time it yep. lands back in New Zealand, you've got to pay GST on it, don't you? So, you've got to pay GST yes, straight away GST. to get it back That's into the country. So it's probably a 240 horse by the time you get it back into New Zealand, say 250 with currency exchange. Because um, mm. you get seven, six and a half to seven and a half thousand to fly them home. Um, so, and then you've obviously got the, the GST on top of that. Then we've got, then you go through the breaking in, the spelling, the pre training, and all the preparation work that goes through to the horses, um, the feed. It, I always work on about Twenty-five to thirty thousand to get them from the yearling sales to the breeze-up sales, and wow. that's the other figures. Tell everyone, so it's not it's not a cheap exercise. Um, so you need to be doing it with horses. You know, you can make at least thirty to well, at least fifty thousand out of them to actually come home with a bit of a profit. Well, Ian, also for you, this isn't one horse. If you put twenty horses through the sales, that means technically your bills are half a yep. million. 
Half a million. Correct. Correct. Yeah. So, uh, how how much resource do you have on the farm? What do you, you you keep mentioning your staff, and I know for racing people, staff is everything, and good staff is like everything, everything. So, how how much of this is done at the property? Do you have to use? I mean, I assume there's vets that, and there's other costs. There's outside costs, just like trainers and other kind of um, you know cogs in the racing machine. You have to lean on other practitioners. But you know, how much of it's done in house? What is the setup like? What's the property like? Okay, so like we've got a big team behind us. Um, right from our buying, um, I use a combination of agents to help me buy because not not every sale I can attend to or or I'm selling at, so I can't do both jobs. So between Bryce Tankard, Johnny McKeever, Bevan Smith, um, we use some agents to to assist us in buying the horses. Um, I got my staff at home, which I've had for a long time. Um, use vets, farriers. Um, I use jockeys jockeys for, to ride a little few of my gallops, um, but 90% of it is done in-house. Um, it's only when we need to use a vet or a farrier or something, um, we get someone something in, someone in, but we've got, at the Kilgraven Lodges, it's an 80-acre property just outside Matamata, and most yeah. of our facilities are there. We've got our own track, treadmill, walker, boxes, um, and it's a beautiful property and it's well set up basically for this purpose. I think one of the expenses Eon people don't realise is obviously, um, and I hope this isn't boring people listening at home, is that... Well, I'm loving it, so I should just assume everyone else is. Well, you're you're a weirdo, though. Um, (laughs) When you go to the sales, Eon, obviously, I don't know, you might have a shortlist, say you go to Magic Millions, you might have a shortlist of 30 horses you want to look at, and you get provisional vetting on those. So for people who don't understand, you you get a scope, an endoscope taken of the horse, which means how its throat work, and then you look at its bones, you get them x-rayed. And and I find, Eon, that by the time... You've vetted thirty horses. Up, say it's. We'll make it an easy number. Say it's three hundred and thirty dollars. Well, you can spend ten thousand dollars on horses you're not going to buy and end up only bidding on three of them. So there is a lot of double checking and checking of things just to take them off a list. Yeah, look, I, I think some sales I've come away with a five or six thousand dollar vet bill and not not purchase the horse. Um, that's <laughs> I know, very, I know very, how that feels. <laughs> that, that's a bad feeling. Um, but look, it's look the vetting. Yeah, it's you know as well as I do, Michael. That you can you spend a fortune on vetting at the sales to probably buy seven or eight horses. Mm. Um, it does. It adds up very very quickly. And you may you'd probably get sixty percent, maybe fifty or sixty percent of the horses past the vet go into bid. You'll may only buy about ten percent of those horses because you just get you're underbidder or you get knocked out. Um, for us, the value is in the buying, so you can't we can't overspend on on what we're trying to buy. Well, you raise a really good point there, and I had to talk to Andy Williams, who's a good mate of ours, who who obviously couldn't make it to the sale because him and Lily are having their first baby. But he said after what we saw the other day, and he said it before the explosion on Thursday of money. He said he thinks there's an opportunity because most of the pin hookers tap out about 200,000. Not many people go past 200,000 very often. He thinks there's an opportunity at some stage, if this market stays where it is, for somebody to pay 300 for a yearling and sell it for a million. Do you think that's realistic? I think that's realistic. You definitely get in the million, but the the interesting point in looking at the results is those horses that all sold for 800,000 were all purchased for between 90 and 150. 
I think mm. the Riversley horse was a hundred thousand dollar horse. The Harry Angel we sold was one hundred and fifty. Kit's KB Bloodstock's horse was around that ninety to a hundred or hundred and twenty. Yeah, he was he was one twenty five or one twenty. Yeah, yep. the expensive horses, the uh, deep field from a hooker and the hair, deep field that I had that they'd spent two to three hundred on were below those. They got to the seven to seven fifty bracket. So I don't think you need to be spending year three to four hundred to be buying a horse. Um, I think personally, I think the risk is huge. Like you can, we've all seen it. You can spend money on a horse, and it, this, even though the scope is good in January, it's not good in November. Or the X-ray is good in January, they're not good in October. There's a lot of things that go can go wrong in between. So I don't think you necessarily need to go and be purchasing expensive horses to achieve the million dollar mark. I know we won't be changing too much what we do. Um, the system is working. Um, so definitely we'll be sticking to our guns and continuing on the way that we do. And hopefully we can be the first to sell the million dollar horse. I'm hoping you're the second, actually, but never mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, a self-interest drizzled in on a Saturday morning. Uh, it sounds like you've got you found your footing in, or your niche in this, what you absolutely are best at at Kilgraven. It sounds like you, you're very comfortable with what you do. I'm curious, though, before we let you crack on with your Saturday, do you dip your toe into any other part of the, the racing game? Do you guys have keep ownership shares, you know? Because like, we all know what it's like when... You know, DC or whoever or buys one of these horses and, and gives you the come on, pal, stay in this one or whatever it is. Um, do you have a bet yeah. on a Saturday? Do you watch the races uh, religiously? What, what, watch the races, but look, I've got ownership shares. We, we owned a good piece of um, Need I Say More. Um, we've got a handy two year old going around with a trying to be a good full force at the moment. We've got a piece of him and I've got a small piece of Adam I Am with Glen Old. So I do keep. I, I tend will keep shares in Kilgraven owned horses that I sell. Um, I'll keep pieces of them, but but we've got um, we do a lot of lot of things within the industry and that. Um, so we've uh, not not so big on the betting, but definitely involved heavily. Yeah, fair enough. Full force. He was a nice wee trial winner. I think there's some dubious characters involved in the ownership of uh, that one, Eon. So uh, when it wins a race, just make sure you're, you're ducking for cover or wear a helmet at the very least. That's uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a tip tip for you. Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, really, really, really interesting to hear about a different side of the breeding and selling business. Mick knows a lot about it, but um, a lot of us punters just kind of see it and, and don't know a hell of a lot. So congratulations again. And uh, I hope your success continues. Yep, thank you very much, Louis. Thank you, thank you, mate. Yeah, no, great guy. Um, tell, you what's, tell you what's crucial, Louis, is, is everybody likes Eon. Integrity's crucial. You can shaft somebody for 20 grand on a horse. Say you, you want to tell a lie. If you want to, I presume people could do that. It doesn't happen much. The people, the pinhookers tend to be very, very um, honest because they've got to go around again next year. But if people trust you and they walk up to you on the sales ground and go, right, did this vet okay? Did this such and such? Because things happen really quickly on sales day. And if they can look you in the eye and know you're telling the truth. I bought a horse off Eon, I don't know, about two years ago. Worst horse I've ever bought in my life. Not his fault. <laughs> no, seriously. Slowest horse I've ever bought. Uh, and not, nothing to do with him. It, it, we bought it and you know, he told us the truth. This is this. We like it. Blah, blah, blah. We bought it. Bought it with the China Horse Club. Now, they're serious players. You know, mm, serious sure. international players. We paid 200 for it. Absolutely useless. Never won a race. 
And but you know that you're getting, you know what you're getting, and they, you, you know when you shake a guy's hand and look him in the eye whether he's lying to you. And that integrity, which obviously Ian has, was really palpable on the grounds. You get round those people, and no one's trying to bullshit you and say, "Oh, nah, it's scope, beautiful mate." And then you find out it's a three, and you're like, "What? What, what did I waste my time with? Why did I pay five hundred dollars for a vet to check this out? You could have just told me the truth half an hour ago." And, and that integrity is crucial in New Zealand racing. There's so many people here who buy and sell, and if you ask them the truth, they will tell you the truth, and that's really, really important because it means that the people from Hong Kong who won't take it very well if you lie to them, uh, they might keep coming back next year. And that, that yeah. integrity is something you can't buy. You have to earn that. Oh, I love that chat. And I hope, Cookie, I think that Mick might have just answered your question there a little bit. We'll get through some of these text messages. We'll catch up with TAB just up after that. But I found that fascinating. Loveracing.nz is where I would go if I'm interested in, in getting into an ownership share. Lots of different versions of it, if we've just heard with Kilgrave and Lodge and Eon Kemp there. But if you just want to race a horse and kind of feel that thrill and be a part of it, loveracing.nz, the place to go. Back after this, you're listening to The Mail Run.